This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. I invite you now to hear this gospel reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. You can find this on page 3 in your pew Bibles. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. In her poem called Beloved is Where We Begin, Jan Richardson writes this. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved. Named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. Here we are. It's the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And we are watching Jesus struggle in the wilderness. But as Jean Richardson tells us in her poem, Jesus did not begin his struggle in the wilderness without first leaving with a blessing. In Matthew chapter 3, the chapter that comes just before this passage, we find Jesus standing in front of John the Baptist in the river Jordan asking to be baptized. And once John baptized Jesus, he came out of the water in a moment of heavenly glory The heavens opened, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and the voice of the Father from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. It was a profound moment of naming, of claiming, so that there was no doubt that Jesus was God's beloved Son, that he was destined to do great things. And immediately after this profound moment of naming and claiming, we read Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward, he was famished. Today, we enter the wilderness with Jesus. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent, and Lent is 40 days long, just like Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Lent is a time when we are invited to practice self-denial, to focus on prayer, on our relationship with God, just as in the wilderness, Jesus fasted and prayed. You see, the season of Lent is designed to mirror Jesus' time in the wilderness, which makes us ask why. <coughs> Jesus' time in the wilderness was not a pleasant one, so why would we intentionally follow him into it? Well, here's why. Because Jesus' time in the wilderness gave him the opportunity to refine and strengthen who God called him to be. Jesus' time in the wilderness prepared him by strengthening and refining those parts of him that God was sending out into the world to save the world. Likewise, Lent invites us into the wilderness so that we can also have the opportunity to refine and strengthen who God made us to be. So let's talk about this word wilderness because it means different things to different people. My brother is an outdoorsman, so when he hears the word wilderness, he thinks of adventure and peace in nature. Others of us hear the word wilderness, and we think of bugs, and we think of danger, and we think of no running water, and we'd rather have our adventures inside. So laying aside our own personal preferences for wilderness, it does as well to remember that wilderness holds a very special place in the history of our faith. Moses met the burning bush in the wilderness. There, God commissioned him to save God's people. The Israelites wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Again, that number 40. And it was a season of training so that they could be prepared to be God's faithful people when they took the promised land. Moses fasted and prayed alone for 40 days, again, that number 40, on Mount Sinai before God gave him the Ten Commandments. The prophet Elijah fasted and prayed in the wilderness for 40 days when he was fleeing from danger, and there he heard God's still, small voice commissioning him for ministry. I could go on and on about all these holy moments that happen in the wilderness, in scripture, the wilderness is both a place of danger and self-discovery, a place of testing and a place of refuge. But here's what's important to notice. Every wilderness moment in scripture is a moment when God is uniquely present. God is uniquely present in the wilderness in ways that God isn't present at other times. In her book, Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown writes this about wilderness. Theologians, writers, poets, and musicians have always used the wilderness as a metaphor to represent everything from a vast and dangerous environment where we are forced to navigate difficult trials to a refuge of nature and beauty where we seek space for contemplation. What all wilderness metaphors have in common are the notions of solitude, vulnerability, and an emotional, spiritual, or physical quest. Indeed, that's what we find in Matthew chapter 4. 
Jesus is on an emotional, spiritual, and physical quest to prepare him for the three years of ministry ahead of him for the death that he will die to give life to the world. So as we begin Lent, I invite you to join Jesus on this emotional, spiritual, physical quest so that you too can be strengthened for the life and ministry to which God is calling you. Now some of us may be in the wilderness right now because life has been very difficult. You may be in the wilderness of grief, the wilderness of doubt or fear or loneliness or regret. And if you find yourself in the wilderness today because life has been hard, here's what I want to say. Remember that God is uniquely with you in the wilderness. Remember that God is uniquely with you and that with God you can use this season of wilderness to train your heart and your faith so that you can emerge from the wilderness stronger and more rooted in God than when you went in. Some of us today don't feel like our life is a wilderness at all. Some of us are smooth sailing and everything feels fine. If that is you today, I'd like to remind you that we should never let the calm seasons of our life fool us into thinking that there is no wilderness within us. All may look tame on the outside, but on the inside of our hearts, surely there are places that are wild and dangerous, places that God is calling you to refine. Lent is that season which you are invited to Go to those wild, dangerous, desolate places within you so that God's blessing, God's calling, God's love can reign even there. However it is that you end up in the wilderness, remember those wise words from Jan Richardson when she tells those of us who braved the wilderness, do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled that path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. That is what Lent is for. That is the gift that the wilderness can give us. It can break open our hardened hearts so that the blessing of God, God's love, God's naming, God's claiming, can enter into our hearts and become the foundation of who we are and what we do. This is what we see um, with Jesus. When Jesus came out of those baptismal waters, he was publicly claimed as God's son. He was blessed as God's beloved. This was the moment when God was saying to the world, hey, this guy right here, he is the one who will be king of all. He is bringing the kingdom onto earth. This was the moment when Jesus was publicly presented by God the Father as the coming king who would save the whole world. But before Jesus could do his first kingly act, he was led into the wilderness where he was tested. And he was tested so that he could reveal just what kind of a king he would be. Would he be a king who is power-hungry or greedy or selfish like the other kings the world had known, or would he be different? As God's beloved, 
How would that identity, that naming and claiming, shape Jesus' behavior, his choices as king of all? So that's what we see happening here in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus' first test of kingship is a showdown with Satan, who is presented as evil personified. Satan is presented in the story as the ruler of this world in its current form, and he faces off with Jesus, the ruler of the kingdom of God, the world to be. Satan came to Jesus when he was famished after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus refused, quoting scripture, saying he only needs the bread of God. Then Satan placed Jesus high on the pinnacle of the temple and dared him to throw himself off. And he said, if you are the son of God, scripture says angels will save you. But Jesus quotes scripture right back and says he will not test God. Finally, Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and promised him all the power and glory and riches therein if he would just bow down and worship. To which Jesus said, go away. And then he quoted scripture saying that one should worship God alone. Now, there are so many ways that you can talk about the temptations. There's so much wisdom we can draw upon these words. But what I want us to notice today is that all of these temptations revolve around power. All around how Jesus will use his power as the king of the kingdom. In the first one, Satan wants Jesus to use his power to satisfy his own needs. Turn these stones to bread. It was the test to see if Jesus would be selfish as a king or if he would trust for God the Father to provide. In the second temptation, Satan wants Jesus to use his power to show off how valuable he is. Throw yourself down. Let the angels take care of you. It was a test to see if Jesus would use his power for self-advancement, for show, to impress people. And in the third temptation, Satan wants Jesus to defy God the Father so that Jesus could have power on his terms, not on the kingdom's terms, so that he can have all the kingdoms of the world and all the riches within it, all the worldly power that comes with it. It was a test to see if Jesus would be true to the kingdom of God, true to God the Father, or if he would become a rogue son and forsake God for the kingdom of the world. Jesus didn't just pass these tests. As he overcame these tests, he revealed his true character. He revealed the very heart of God. Jesus showed us not only what his kingship would be like, but what it meant to be God's beloved. It's to be self-controlled, to be faithful to the will of God the Father, to put God before self, to be uncompromising, uncompromising in the face of evil. It's to be committed to using power for the good of all, not for the benefit of self. That's what it means to be God's beloved. That is what the wilderness revealed and honed in Jesus. Which begs the question for us, how are you 
living out your identity as God's beloved. When you face the tests of this world, how are you living as God's beloved? Are you self-controlled? Are you faithful to the way of God when the ways of this world look so much more appealing? Are you uncompromising in the face of evil? Do you even recognize the evil around you, those forces that create injustice, that spur on hatred, that tear down and beat up and destroy the love and hope within us? If you're anything like me, the answer to these questions is yes and no. Sometimes I am self-controlled. Sometimes I can put God's will above all else. Sometimes I am uncompromising with evil, but other times the ways of the world pull me away from that commitment to God. I think, I suspect, that many of us are like that. Which is why we need the wilderness of Lent. Because in these 40 days, we are invited to pay attention to how we are living out our identity as God's beloved. We are invited to pay attention to how we respond to the tests of this world, how our faithfulness and our devotion to God and God's kingdom hold us up when we are charmed by the kingdom of this world. And we can learn a lot from Jesus in his testing. Notice how Jesus responds to the tests of Satan. Jesus responded to the whispers of Satan with the words of Scripture. He was able to stay true to who God called him to be because he could counteract the words of Satan with the word of God. One of the best spiritual practices that we can do during the season of Lent is to memorize Scripture. It's one of the things that we do as a kid. We maybe did at camp growing up, and then we leave it behind in adulthood. But there's something really powerful about memorizing Scripture in adulthood. Those who memorize Scripture find that it becomes a part of their stream of thought. It becomes a part of their identity, a part of their heart. When you memorize Scripture, it gets imprinted on the core of who you are so that it's always present in your mind, in your heart, in your life. And so we need to reclaim this practice of memorizing Scripture. And I encourage you this week to pick a verse or two or three that really speak to you and practice memorizing it. Read it in the morning, read it at noon, read it before you go to bed and let those words just tumble around in your head all day. Let them shape your thoughts and your choices. You'll find that memorizing scripture is one way that we can stand firm in our tests, in our wilderness moments, as Jesus did in his. And if you remember, at the end of Jesus' testing, scripture tells us that angels came and took care of him, bringing him relief and strength and comfort. They came and ministered to him. And I think you'll find that as you memorize scripture, the words of scripture will come to you in your moments of need and will minister to you in those times of testing, just like the angels did for Jesus. Those words will come to you when you need them. They'll surround you with comfort and peace. They'll offer you a feast for your heart so that you might be strengthened and guided. 
Scripture is the best companion for us as we journey through the wilderness that we face. So as we begin this season of Lent, as we face the wilderness within us, the wilderness around us, I want to leave you with the full poem, Jan Richardson's full poem called Beloved is Where We Begin. And I'll offer it to you today as a prayer that throughout these next 40 days, you will have the courage to brave the wilderness wherever you find it and emerge on Easter strengthened and renewed in your identity as God's beloved and your calling as a child of God. Beloved is where we begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path there will be help. I can tell you that on this way there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us, bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence whisper our name, Beloved, Beloved, Beloved. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.